We just had a little bit of takeout Chinese and we're feeling pretty good. Hi everybody, my name is Jordan Reed. And I'm Lindsay Reed. And this is Spooky Spouses, a podcast about ghosts and stuff. Each week we talk about things like haunted Chinese food. Scallion pancakes. (laughs) True crime. Dumplings. Cryptozoology. Cilantro chicken. Anything spooky related. That's true. Usually not about the food we just ate and then we kind of like name it back and forth. Yeah. Every single week since we decided to get Chinese food, Lindsay and I will both research a topic or a few topics separately of one another. Lindsay will go eat dumplings and I will go eat scallion pancakes. And while we're there, we'll we'll do a bunch of, you know, really high level research. That was a joke. And then we reconvene inside of our house and discuss what we've researched for the very first time with each and every one of you and each other. And this week, I'm going to dedicate the entire show to our guest, Matt Stevens. It's it's dedicated to him because he's on it. Yeah, I think just hands down around the whole Reed house, we're just going to dedicate it. <laughs> Even Molly, we're just going to dedicate it to our guest, Matt Stevens. We sure are. Uh, this was This was really unique and really unusual in a very good way. Yeah, it was really fun. We um, basically, we have a bunch of voicemails we needed to catch up on. And we have some Matt Stevens specific voicemails that he kind of helped us out with. Yeah. So if you do not know who Matt Stevens is, Matt Stevens is an ex-professional cyclist, a professional cycling commentator, an overall wonderful human being who lives in London uh, I've been a fan of his since 2009, just following him along. I, I, I think I tell him in the episode, I first got wind of him because I saw a video of him eating pizza off of another man's back while they were riding bikes. And you knew that you were going to be kindred spirits after that. Yes, I knew that our, sh- our, our specific chakra alignment was, you know, going to mesh well. I am a little disappointed, though, because okay. I do love <laughs> when he says you're, you're a saxophonist. Oh, a saxophonist. Yes. And that is one of my favorite things he says. So didn't get that this time, but that's okay. So this the, the format of this episode is not a typical episode. If this is your first time listening, we never really have guests on. We've had my brother one time. And we've had Eli, who does music, I think, one time as well. We've had Kayla Spencer. We've had a few people, but we don't really have guests on because, I don't know, we just don't. But this was a very special occasion. We reached out to Matt a few months ago, and then he reached out when his life calmed down. And then he said, yeah, I'll be on the show, which we were like, why would you want to do that? But he did it, and we just talked to him, and it was really great. Yeah, and I'm really, really happy that... He very much so understands us, and you'll you'll hear that to his answers of his questions. It was very fun. Yeah, so let's just cut to our, I guess, and not really an interview, but no. our pal, ghost pal powwow <laughs> with Matt Stevens. Yeah, our pal powwow. Oh, also keep in mind that we went into our super top secret underground apocalypse bunker to record it. So the audio is a little bit boomy, but it's because again, we were it, we're in our underground bunker that we spent $6 million to make, but we're in there now. 
Yeah, so I hope you enjoy. Matt Stevens, thank you so much for being here. Holy smokes as well. Welcome to our show. Thank you very much, you know, uh, Jordan and Lindsay. It's been, uh, I've kind of, yeah, known you guys for quite a while um, over the web. And um, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. I don't really know what I'm ex- expecting, which is nice. So it's kind of a voyage into the, into the unknown. So, but I'm quite keen. I'm quite excited, actually. So thank you for having me. Oh, you bet. Yeah. And we, we also really don't know what we're expecting anyways, either, which is good and bad, I think. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, we're obviously backed up on questions in our haunted hotline and <laughs> we need a little help. So, yeah, we try our best to give advice. But, you know, sometimes it's just kind of, you know. Now, Lindsay said sometimes, and I think... <laughs> Basically, all the time, uh, we're we're really not sure what we're doing. But maybe you can lend a hand to some questions that we've gotten for you. But before we get into it, a little bit about yourself. Yep. Your name is Matt Stevens. Your middle name, nobody knows, and that's okay. Um, if we can, we can you, just, if we can just leave that, that's that's kind of uh, if that's all right. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. Um, so, speaking of how unprepared we 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 are for the show, we are always painfully unprepared, which I think is nice. Um, but I did some small, small Wikipedia-ing of you. And according to Wikipedia, you are uh, the UK's leading reptile salesman. My, I don't know. I mean, I, I do that on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, but I'm surprised it actually got onto Wikipedia, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and in addition yeah. to that, I'm, I'm kind of weirdly allergic to most reptiles. So um, take that maybe with a pinch of salt. But yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah, well, what so- a feat. <laughs> It's a really itchy, itchy Tuesday afternoon for you. Yeah, it's also, some would argue, probably the itchiest afternoon, but also the most profitable <laughs> afternoon. I don't know, like, the Venn diagram that those two usually intersect, but that's pretty impressive, Matt. I, I, I have a team of people uh, that I, I can't name them who, who I work <laughs> with closely. So I, I'm just like the, the, the kind of money man, really. Um, they just send me photos. Wow. So, right. yeah, it's, um, yeah, but it's something I've done for a while. But, um, yeah, I'm glad you picked up on it because <laughs> not great. a lot of people know about that. <laughs> That's really great. Uh, Now, some things that I don't know if these are true or not, because I also got these from Wikipedia. Um, Some of you, some of your early amateur cycling teams that you were on uh, also sound vaguely similar to the name of a cryptid. And I wanted to ask you about this really quick. Mm -hmm. The Hemel Hempstead or Hempstead? Hempstead. Hemel Hempstead. Yeah, that that was... uh my first yeah club basically um and i'm now a life member but yeah that's where i actually got married for the first time actually um oh wow um, back in hemel hempstead but it's it's noted for an unusual roundabout so it's kind of um (laughs) it has a roundabout which if you imagine like a circle and then around the the perimeter of the roundabout aren't just road junctions but other mini roundabouts dotted around so it has the most unusual roundabout configuration in the united kingdom maybe even europe Wow. Hmm. (laughs) So uh, in the U.S., we are extremely scared of roundabouts. Yeah. And I think what you've just described is every American's living nightmare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really do them. You just do like stop signs and kind of junctions, don't you? But I don't think you have many roundabouts at all. But this is even it strikes fear into the heart of most of most British people, because generally when you you approach a roundabout, you go one way around and you go left or in Europe, you go right. But this one, you head into it. And you can go left or right. Oh, that's, that's a lot. just that's screwed you. up. So uh, <laughs> that's yeah. a lot. Uh, that's anyway, scary. That, yeah, that's, that's Hemel Hempstead for you. There you go. 
Well, Hemel Hempstead also sounds like if there were to be a cryptid from Hemel Hempstead, it might be some weird roundabouty sort of a circular kind of creature. Uh, perhaps, I guess. Yeah, I think it was. A, it, was it would be more. I think it would be kind of boar-like, maybe with like a body of a boar with the, the head of a crocodile and, and the tail of a shrew. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay told me ten minutes before this. She was like, you know, I kind of figure. I, I kind of picture it being ball-like, crocodile face. Yeah. Just your standard. <laughs> just your standard cryptid. Uh, and then also, what I, I'd like to know about the Ribble, if the Ribble could be some sort of a cryptid, because that was also a team you were on, correct? It was the Ribble RT, Ribble Road Team. They're, they're a bike shop. Um, they actually still sponsor, they sponsor a, a British continental team called Ribble Well Tight. Been, so they, they're oh, a big cool. shop up in um, up near Preston in, in the north of England. And it's, it's a beautiful part of the world, actually. Um, but the, the creature, I, I mean, uh, not a lot of people know this, it's... It's like the, it's the English it's the English version of a haggis. So basically, it's a, it's, it's basically a round sausage with with four legs, and they look like they're kind of turtles' legs. Um, but it has the, the head of a cat. Very strange. Oh, oh wow. so it's cute but disturbing. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it's, it's, a, it's a delicacy. It's generally what people have on a Sunday with potatoes and peas. <laughs> That sounds really that sounds really nice. Well, Matt, thanks for clearing that up for us. No, no worries. No worries at all. So so we put the call out. We put out the Matt Stevens bat signal and asked some people for some questions. <laughs> questions that, you know, sort of related to maybe cycling, maybe the UK, ghosts, the paranormal, unexplained stuff. Because I, I think we we mentioned this on our last episode. We we told people that you were coming on, and we were like, "Well, what is the what does cycling and the paranormal have to do with one another?" And the answer is, you know, who knows? Really, this is also yeah. just an excuse for us to get you on the show. But <laughs> people people really really stepped up to bat. So we have a few questions we'd like to uh, get to that were sent in specifically for you. And if you could help us out, that would be great. Yeah, well, I mean, my I have a question for you though. Before you do that, yeah, yeah. I mean, how. You're obviously, you know, you're a musician. You're into, obviously clearly into the kind of, not so much the occult, but this sort of thing and cycling. So how on earth did you find out about me? Because it's, it's weird. It's, oh. you've got a weird what, what I'd like to say is a broad set. So I, I need a bit of context first, if yeah. you don't mind, just so people think, yeah, I, I get why, why Jordan maybe kind of followed me on, on, on Twitter or whatever in the first place. Cause it's quite an odd kind of dovetailing, isn't it? It is. Uh, it absolutely is. And I think, be, before I forget this, I think it's really important to ask someone who's interested in you, why me? Uh, because I think a lot of times, like, if I was being kidnapped randomly, I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what did I, you What's know, a, how do you know about what me? What about me that you yeah. wanted to yeah. steal me? Why kidnap me? Yeah. Um, yeah. But to answer your question... Uh, I, I moved to Oregon in 2009. I promise this is not that boring of a story. Um, and I got really into cycling there. Um, I started riding around. I didn't own a car. You know, I was like in the, in, in the area where a lot of the Rafa continental people were. And I've been lucky enough to meet and become friendly with one of them, Aaron Urbeck. And I gave, actually gave saxophone lessons to his son, which was really cool and weird and bizarre. (laughs) But I found out about you because when I was getting into cycling, a lot, I started, you know, YouTubing bikes <laughs> or yeah, just sure. whatever. Okay. Um, and the first video I ever saw of you is you were eating a pizza off of Simon Richardson. And I thought, you know, how great is this? 
<laughs> and then and then our worlds sort of collided because okay. I was like, well, I need to know if this guy is eating food off of other people. Um, <laughs> and I was, you know, certain. And then, and then I would just YouTube cyclists eating food off humans. And really, nothing came up. So I would just, no, you know, it, then it, I would it was YouTube. quite. Um, what, what do they call it? It's, it's like a Google whack, isn't it? If you kind of, it, you're just not going to get pop. But it, it's actually, it's actually Dan. Uh, Simon refused to take part oh, in such that's shenanigans. Right. So it's actually Lloydie. But um, yeah, that was that was a fun day out. Yeah, that was a fun day out. But uh, and that was, um, it's kind of weird that that's what I'm kind of remembered for uh, eating pizza off another another man's back. Yeah, kind of odd. What's moving as well? I mean, that's I think that's even more intriguing. Yeah, and so moving literally, but then also moving figuratively. I think someone could watch that or just just watch that clip of you eating pizza off of a human man, and that that could be argued as like that's some form of modern art if you think about it or modern yeah, dance. I, I think it's it's definitely pretty progressive. Um, it's very and progressive. It's nice that you're not the only person to have recognised that, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it does move and has moved and will continue to move uh, people in different ways. That's awesome. But that's how it started. And now Lindsay and I <laughs> yeah, great stuff. follow follow what you do, and we just really appreciate you uh, appreciate you as a human. And I think that your never your sort of ideal, whether you know it or not, or whether you publicize it or not, is like never really taking yourself too seriously and always yeah. trying to have a laugh at every moment is well, kind of... Well, I think that's why I got familiar with you because I was cycling and I'm not, you know, super into it, but I was doing it. And it was so nice to see someone that was actually like making it personable for everybody and not, you know, I was watching bike videos. It was like, you need all this special gear and you need this and that and this. And it was just like, oh, these are regular humans that are just enjoying a sport. That's really lovely, and it's you know what it's um, it's really in, in all seriousness. For if I can be serious for a brief moment before make spinning it quick. off, yeah, make but, it um, quick. Yeah, it's it's, it's 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 lovely. That's just love. That's what makes doing what I do worthwhile. Because you know, there's obviously people who are like super into cycling and we want to look after those guys and girls as well. But more importantly, it's keeping it as broad as possible, and that cuts across everything that I do, whether it's commentating on a bike race making it interesting for everybody and kind of accessible. Yeah, and that, that, I think that's my kind of – that's how I kind of want to live my life, just just be kind of decent to people really. Right. And um, if anybody's remotely interested in what you do, tell them about it, but in a way that isn't patronizing or elitist. I think whatever, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's writing, whether it's sport, whatever, there's a, there should be a door for anybody to, to access. I mean, and, and I think that – like your first day at a job, for example, um, I remember the various jobs I've done – you know, generally I've had very good experiences and, and I took a lot from like somebody taking me to one side and looking after me on day one when I was a police officer, you know, um, day one, you're like, whoa, I'm, I'm a cop. And then somebody says, hey, it's going to be fine. I'll, I've got your back. And that's like, that is what the way I want to live my life is to look after people and share stuff. So, Absolutely. Yeah. But it's lovely that you should say that. Thank you. And, and, and that's really nice, too, because there's a lot of parallels in, you know, how you go about your day to day and making what you do like specifically cycling which is arguably a pretty inclusive activity there's a lot of verbiage a lot of terminology there's um a lot of stuff that you can get lost with or a lot of stuff that goes over people's heads but like even for us in the like broad paranormal world a lot of shows and stuff are very serious and they're very uh i don't know i guess just a little bit too serious and i think you know why why be so serious all the time and why not just 
I don't know, goof around about ghosts and act like you know way more than you do, which is what we do. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, it's, it's just um, fun to goof around. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, uh, no, well, that's. Thank you for answering those questions. I now both can we know where we kind of exist in our in our respective universes now, and how we kind of came to collide and come together and coalesce. Yeah. Like, 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 like the birth of the universe, in fact. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I think that's a great analogy. Uh, okay, Matt, here is your first question, and it is from our friend uh, Calvin. Calvin, okay. Hey, Spooky Spouses, it's your pal Cal here. Um, I'm calling in actually to ask a few questions to Matt Stevens. Uh, hi, Matt. Um, so I was a big fan of your Super View series on Twitter, and my question for you is what do you think is the uh, the spookiest or perhaps most haunted soup that there is? Um, if I had to pick, I would say lobster bisque, just because I don't think – I think that lobsters are are demons from heck. Um, I don't think that they are of this earth, and they freak me out a little bit, but they make a tasty bisque. Um, also, what's the spookiest thing about cycling? Because I think that it's unicycles, but that's just because I don't trust them. Um, thanks so much in advance. Can't wait to hear the episode. Bye. <laughs> All right, man. Lobster Brilliant. bisque. Yeah, um, I don't think I've had lo- a lobster bisque, um, but my my wife Holly is massively into seafood, and she has, um, and she's massively into ghosts as well. Um, ah. I don't think the two have kind of come together yet, but um, but I can see why um, Calvin maybe thinks it's a ha- it's haunted. It's almost it's like you've got you've got the soup, um, you don't know what's beneath the surface. It's like that's yeah. It's like this big kind of octopus creature, <laughs> you know, could come out and like draw you in. Um, is it Cthulhu? Is it you know the, the kind of the creature from the sea? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, but yeah, with a giant kind of lobster claw or something. So I'm not, and I do like lobster. I do like soup. Um, but yeah, I, I can see why it would be a worrying experience, and I can see why I'd be a little bit apprehensive, especially if somebody cooked it for me and I hadn't been involved in the process. What is beneath the surface? Yeah. Of the soup. And Matt, um, just in case, um, please feel free to speak freely because there are no lobsters that listen to our show anymore. <laughs> there, okay. We used to have a pretty big following, but we they're like, we, we got rid of them. Yeah, mm. we, we said some pretty mean things about lobsters. So yeah, you're, it's, they're, they're, really, they're really scary little creatures. But also, I think you cook lobster bisque like, with like their bones and their shell and all this stuff to like get more of the essence out of the lobster, which is yeah, kind of weird in and of it, itself. Yeah, it was, it's, it's the kind of adage, isn't it? Like nothing's wasted in the kitchen, I think is. Uh, right. And, um, you know, that's the, the way, the why people boil bones. That sounds kind of dark. <laughs> like you're like in a big cauldron on a fire, but generally you boil bones for, to make a broth. You know, so nothing when you're cooking an animal goes to waste, basically. That's the kind of, it's like, yeah. Okay, the, the, so it's like the, a beast should taste of the sea, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and maybe a slightly haunted version of the sea. Right. Um, who knows? But um, but no, I I might try lobster beast just because I'm an edgy kind of guy. I like to live my life right <laughs> on the cusp of danger. So maybe I will get a, uh, a reasonably priced lobster beast, uh, not too expensive, um, you know, um, within reason, and try it out. And and maybe just for safety, just have some garlic uh, around my neck. There you yeah. go. Just in case something comes out of the soup. Um, 
Or yeah, maybe so, like water wings or something in case you drown. Or I might just tether myself um, using <laughs> a, a crude, well, maybe like a belt to my chair. So if it does pull me in, I'm going to be all right, you know, right. like a safety harness. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, and in relation, what was the other question? I think... Uh, the scariest thing about cycling. Yeah. I think. The most yeah. haunted thing about cycling. Yes. That's it. Yeah. I think going into a dark tunnel on a descent, generally in in Europe, like in the, the Alps or in the Dolomites or something like that, and you go into a tunnel and you've got your sunglasses on. And it's twofold. Basically, that there are some tunnels in, in, uh, in Europe that still aren't lit. So you literally lose all vision. Obviously, they're kind of made for, for cars when you've got your headlights on. So if you go into one on a bike, you've got to take your sunglasses off and, and you kind of lose, well, you'd lo- you lose vision briefly. And then they generally got lights on if, uh, if they're particularly long. But all you see is the kind of the end of the tunnel, the little bit of light at the end, and it takes a while to adjust. And during that time, you feel um, it's a sense of kind of paranoia. You don't know what's in the darkness, in the shadows around you. And also you, you lose the kind of ability to steer your bike because you've got no kind of uh, depth perception either. So going into a tunnel, and also the temperature drops as well, like you're going into a haunted oh, house or yeah. a haunted room. So you've got all this coming together of different sensory experiences, temperature drop, lack of vision lack of kind of balance so what i would say that going into a dark spooky kind of tunnel and then coming out of it and when you leave the tunnel you get a sense of relief as well like you've just left a a kind of room that makes you feel kind of funny so that that's and that's kind of real that's not i'm not exaggerating that that i've never thought about it like that but they are quite spooky tunnels yeah it sounds really scary i never thought about that i just imagine like a bunch of cryptids like hugging the wall as all the cyclists come through and like praying that no one sees them oh yeah hiding now now i'm not going to ever go in a tunnel again you just completely just scare the life out of me but yeah that's some good questions there calvin thanks very much um all right matt you want to just power on with the next one? Let's do it. This one is from our friend Dana, and I believe Dana recorded this in his bathroom. That's too big, but um, <laughs> we're just going to move. We're just going to move forward. <laughs> Hi, Jordan, Lindsay, and Matt. Uh, this is Dana. I was calling uh, with a question uh, regarding uh, bicycles, um, due to the expertise. Uh, so I was just wondering what your thoughts are about how, let's say like an apocalyptic situation, how bikes are the only vehicle that could be powered by fear. Um, cause the more scared you are, the faster you're going to pedal. And I just think that's really valuable, um, in an apocalyptic scenario, uh, maybe zombie related, um, because cars run out of gas, but I never run out of fear. So, yeah, um, there's a little uh, food for thought. Uh, I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. Now, Matt, really quick, before wow. we, we get into it, Dana is also from the Midwest, uh, and he did say one of the top 10 Midwestern phrases, which is, and that's just a little food for thought. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to let you know that uh, Dana did check one of the Midwestern boxes for us. Okay, great stuff. Well, that, that's, that's nice to them to be properly represented and understood really yeah. um, which is lovely uh yeah um first off dana um yeah you need to make that bathroom a little bit smaller um yeah. uh, because you, there's you know say if you, you could get lost in there by the sounds of it i mean <laughs> and, and again you know you I would never have a meeting like a formal business meeting in that bathroom because you risk being in the wrong time zone as well so just a little bit of advice <laughs> um so so yeah yeah i mean it's it's um what dana was talking about there is called faff so F-A-A-F, fear as a fuel. Oh. Uh, I just invented that just right now. Fear as a fuel, <laughs> it's a concept. 
<laughs> that has been talked about for, for, for eons. Um, uh, but fear is a fuel primarily for running away from things. It's something primal. It's kind of built. Um, generally, if you came, if you were like in your cave, a kind of T-Rex came up. Because as we know, cavemen lived at exactly the same time as T-Rexes. We yes. know that that's been proved yeah. by science. Yes. Um, they used to just run away. Uh, they used <laughs> their own fear forward slash adrenaline as a fuel. Um, so it's something that's been around for like for since the dawn of time. Um, amoeba used fear as a fuel as well to escape other amoeba that they were arguing with. It's it's right. it's, it's inbuilt into our DNA. But fear as a fuel on a bicycle, why not? I mean, it's all we need. I think is some sort of app where we could somehow harness the fear and keep it in some sort of cell, maybe on your phone, which would be really handy. Here we go. Uh, maybe in a, a little pack that you put onto your phone uh, as part of a case. Store the fear up. And kind of use it when you want. Um, so, for example, say you were just a little bit frightened. Let's use. Let's go back to the soup question. Say you're a little bit frightened because you had some lost lobster bisque. Right. I love where this that, is headed. You're just a little bit frightened, but you had your headphones on, plugged into your phone. Um, a little bit weird in a posh restaurant, but hey, you're just going to roll with it. But over time, it saved up little bits of fear until you could basically go on holiday with it. It's like, do you know what? I'm just going <laughs> to. I fancy going to Edinburgh, and I live in London. And I've built up enough little bits of fear to actually self-propel myself on a bicycle to Edinburgh rather than using wow. the train. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, we just need somebody to, to kind of get to grips with the, just a small element of how we actually harness it and turn it into a fuel. But I think it's a wonderful idea. So kind um, of like frequent flyer miles, like you can yeah. collect them up and then, you know, kind of do whatever you want with them. Yeah, exactly my point or Avios points. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, but if you got really, really frightened, you'd have to have a really rugged phone, I think, with a really sturdy case because you don't want that. You don't want your phone to explode through through um, through having too much fear. Um, so I think that it's, it's, there's, two, there's two industries here. There's the capturing of the fear. There's the there's the putting it into a bicycle i guess you'd have to have some sort of cell on the bicycle but i think as well there's a there's another area another kind of like little kind of side industry on making kind of really really sturdy phone cases to contain the fear in um you don't want that exploding you know a party no. or you know, when you've gone to see your grandma or something like that can you imagine the scenes right yeah you you could very quickly ruin a holiday a birthday uh so i would imagine that like how a lot of like I always think that people who are very wealthy have multiple cell phones. So you would just carry the one with you that is your FAF phone. Yeah. That maybe you would leave the, like if, if you're going to go to a gathering, if you're going to go to church, if you're going to go to a funeral, um, if you're going to like an occult meeting, you leave that one behind just in case the FAF spikes. It, yeah. it leaks out. And, and again, you, you, you don't want any, don't any spikes. You don't want any kind of like um, seepage, any fear no. seepage, because that, that stains. You're not going to get that off. No. Yeah. Um, I think everyone so. knows that fear stains do stain the <laughs> most. Uh, yeah. Worse than coffee. You could use a little tonic water, but it doesn't get it quite out. I think if you if you got some tonic on it straight away, um, you might get rid of the worst of it. But I, I think it, I mean, it's basically indelible, isn't it? I mean, that's there forever. Uh, you might have to wear a brooch over it or something like that. Or I don't know. I mean, I uh, just, that's, for, that's for another podcast. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I just think it's so unusual to think like and how cryptid it is to think if you're at someone's funeral and they're like, oh, how did they pass? And then you just say fear. Fear. Mm. And they, then it's like, oh, they okay. they died of fear. You mean like a, oh, like a, like a heart attack or something? No, just 
Death by fear. Their their fear phone exploded when they were holding it because they got so scared. And that's just one of the drawbacks. So I think there there needs to be a little bit more R&D that happens with these things. But... The, the technology itself, I'm, I'm already excited for, yeah. for the FAF technology. Yeah, I, I think, one, I think one, once, the, once the clinical trials have happened, and, and the te- uh, I, think, I think people are going to really buy into it as, as not just a, well, as, as an ideology. I think, it, I think it's more <laughs> than just fuel. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of state of being. And it's, it's lovely that Dan had brought it up. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you very much for all of your help. Yeah. No worries. FAF, <laughs> a fuel, great stuff. Hopefully that helps, <laughs> Dana. <laughs> yeah. I also I also can't wait to start a band as soon as we're done recording called Fear is a Fuel. Yeah, um, that's it, definitely. Uh, just, right. <laughs> just 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 think of the merch, man. Just think of the merch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be really nice. <laughs> it will yeah, and not it, not that it could be really nice, it will be really nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, Matt, here is a question from our friend Katie Diddy in Utah. Hello, Lindsay and Jordan, and also Matt. Um, I am calling with a very important question regarding biking, cycling, whatever the correct term is. I don't know. The thing with the two wheels and the pedals that you propel yourself forward with. Anyway, um, Matt, I am wondering if you think that you could out-cycle Sasquatch. And if not, is there any cryptid that you think that you could out-cycle? So... There's that. I also am wondering, don't know anything about the UK other than, you know, it's across the pond, which is a dumb thing to say, but I said it anyway. Do ghosts in the UK respect tea time? As in, like, sporty and crumpets. Anyway, thanks. Bye. So, Matt, I don't, I don't know about you, but, but Katie's accent really just transported me <laughs> over to the UK. It was like, where are we all of a sudden? Yeah. No, I honestly thought uh, that she was in the room. Uh, yeah. And that, was, that in itself was a bit spooky. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, imagine if I'd have just been wired up to, to feel as a, my fear was a fuel phone then. Jesus. Powerful Power. days. Yeah. Oh, God. No, Katie, thank you very much. Um, could I uh, outcycle Sasquatch? He's forward slash Bigfoot. I mean, Sasquatch and Bigfoot, are they the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, basically. I think they are, aren't they? He's and pretty there a, big. A TV pro- there was a TV program in the 70s when I was growing up, and it was just called, I think it was, might have to look it up, actually. It was just called Sasquatch. <laughs> nice. In that voice, but slightly deeper. Sasquatch. <laughs> That's really nice. And it was really just nice. about the Sasquatch. I think it was the legend, the urban kind of myth. Well, is it a myth? I don't know. Mm. I mean, because I've seen them, and I, I've... <laughs> I saw one in Boulder in 1995, and I've never talked to anybody. Uh, never talked to anybody about it. Um, and I did outcycle it um, again, powered by fear. I literally was powered by fear because there was a lot of signs about bears, but there were no Sasquatch signs. And, oh. and I did have a word with a police officer back in Boulder once I got back from my ride. I said, "Guys, there's there's a Sasquatch," and um, there was no warning. Um, yeah, but I got a really good interval session. It was a really powerful interval session uh, at altitude, which gave me a nosebleed. So that's my Sasquatch story, uh, and it also depends on the um, the age of the Sasquatch. The little baby ones, you could, you know, if you if you're reasonably fit, um, even dressed in like urban wear on a mountain bike, you'd probably be able to outrun one. But a fully grown male or a teenage male, uh, fully grown female protecting her babies, you're going to have to be fit, and oh, there's yeah. going to be a big risk element. Um, so I think it depends on your level of fitness. It depends on the age and the agility 
of the Sasquatch and also depends on the density of the forest as well because you can use the trees to kind of, you know, to hide as like little obstacles. Uh, but you need to be nimble. And you need to have good bike handling skills. There's a lot of factors to, I think, you look at each case on its merits, really. Um, but um, given the right kind of the ideal set of circumstances, it's a possibility that a human could outpedal a Sasquatch, yes. So back in 95, when you, in real life, when you out-cycled a Squatch, um, what sort of bike were they on then? And then do you think if you were, say, say you went to Boulder in 2021 when COVID stuff is lifted, do you think that they will have gotten hip to the e-bike technology or maybe they're like doing the whole gravel bike scene or whatever else? Um, the, oh, this is weird. The, there were, I didn't say there were, there were two Sasquatches. Um, oh, really? <laughs> one was on, one was on a unicycle and the other was on a BMX. It was way too small. Oh, and I yeah. think that helped. Because the, the one on a unicycle hit a rock and went straight down on his face. I said, it, it was a hero. I'm not too sure. I couldn't tell. They're just furry, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. No, kind of like. Uh, and and the, the Sasquatch on a BMX, I think it was a youngster because it was pretty, it was pretty, it did a few tricks. Um, but I think ultimately there's only one little gear. The gear ratio on the BMX just didn't. I mean, I had a really wide range of gears, so I was managed to power away. But I think there's a lot of concern in uh, in the world of cycling about. Yeah, Sasquatch is having access to e-bikes, and that's a big concern. Um, so I don't know how. I mean, I know there's actually. I think I think it's in April. Um, there's there's a conference. Uh, oh. There's a conference in Philadelphia, uh, <laughs> and they're doing it away away from Boulder because of the fear of any kind of demonstrations from the Sasquatch community. Yeah. So it's kind of that they're doing it, yeah. and, and they're gonna they're gonna look at kind of the best way forward, really, because they what they don't want to do, and let's be honest, they don't want to kind of remove the ability and, and to, to move around for Sasquatch. They're happy for them to have bikes. It's just they don't want them outpacing regular cyclists um, uh, ordinarily. I just imagine at a cycling events and stuff, they probably have like secret society that like prevents Sasquatches from being spectators because they don't want them to get any smarter about cycling. Oh, yeah. Because like then they're just going to rule the cycling world. Like at those like yeah. new like bike expos or the hand built shows or whatever else, I it it probably is kind of easy for a Sasquatch to kind of fit in, especially now with like, you know the 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 bat like the the hybrid look between a roadie and a mountain biker, which is the gravel rider. If if you put enough fanny packs or bum bags on or baggy pants or flannel shirts or especially those those giant fashionable shades, it'd be yeah. pretty easy to hide in plain sight of one of those things. Yeah, I think especially you know and a, a lot of the kind of the, the in, on the gravel scene as well. Um, a lot of the dudes have kind of quite bushy beards. And, yeah, and, and and as I said, I think uh, oh I think yeah, there's a lot more hair. Um, and, and again, <laughs> I know, um, uh, and in, including I mean a lot of the kind of gravel kind of scene people don't kind of shave their legs is they're kind of eschewing the kind of road style so i do think you're quite right and it's a lovely sentence that sasquatches could live in plain sight and i think as time goes on we're gonna we're gonna struggle to kind of tell the difference between a a human uh, gravel rider and a, and a sasquatch gravel rider um and it might end up being like id cards given out or something I, I, and i don't want that to happen i no. want us to live in harmony yeah i think a good way to tell too would also be say you're working at a bike booth and you're showing off i don't know some new gravel bikes or mountain bikes or whatever and someone comes up and they're dressed head to toe you know really 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 fashionable stuff but they ask uh and 
does this bike hold like dead raccoons okay? Or does this bike like hold a bunch of like mud and dead animals okay? Then that might be a telltale sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's where this conference in Philadelphia is going to come in. It's about educating people to tell the difference. Uh, and that's going to take time. It, it, it could be even a generational thing, to be honest with it. But if we start that work now, I think that we can, um, we can live in harmony in the future with Sasquatches uh, and bikes. That's the dream. Yeah, that's the dream. Yeah. Yeah. And the the question, ghosts respect Teton. No, they do not respect Teton. Um, (laughs) Ghosts in the UK are 24-7 creatures uh, or apparitions, whatever you want to call them, um, and they do not respect Teton. Although I know of some, and this isn't direct experience, this is things that I've read and seen uh, and and heard tell of, is that um, some ghosts will actually join you for tea, especially poltergeists. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you for the heads up, Matt. Well, yeehaw, saddle up, partners, and hop on your haunted, headless horse. And welcome to the Haunted Housekeeping Zone. Why don't you come along with us? If you have any questions regarding haunted, headless horses, a cryptid that you once saw and behind your house. Maybe just a cupboard that keeps talking to you. If there's a particular pair of shoes that when you put on, you see nothing but ghosts. Or an Ikea table that you just can't seem to put together by yourself. If you're dealing with any of these things specifically, or anything just kind of spooky and unexplainable, and you want to ask us about it, or even just tell us, you can. You can call our haunted hotline, the phone number is 803-816-2667 or 803-816-BOOZE. That's the scarier number and I like that one better. That's fine. And that's just Lindsay's preference. You can call our haunted hotline or text it any time of day or any time of night. And please don't worry, it will go directly to voicemail so you don't have to talk to a human being at all. We'll do our best to give you probably mediocre advice or maybe you just want to have us talk about it. We can talk about it. Again, the phone number is 803-816-2667 or 803-816-BOOZE. And if you happen to be looking for some really spooky but also extremely fashion-forward pants or shorts or just drip in general, you can check out our friends over at Native Language Clothing. It's spooky cozy season, so why not have spooky cozy drip? Yeah, you can get yourself a really cool hoodie and matching shorts and wear them around your house when you're just, you know, having a pumpkin spice latte with almond milk. They have like Sherpa shorts and they're tie-dye, so it's like the best of both worlds. You can go to nativelanguageclothing.com or check out their Instagram, Native Language Clothing, and do some clicking and some scrolling. And at checkout, you can use the promo code SPOOKYSPOUSES, all one word, all lowercase, and get 50 30% off your entire order. And that's a lot of percent off. That's a spooky sale. <laughs> yeah, it is. So again, that's Native Language Clothing. Use the promo code Spooky Spouses, all one word, all lowercase at checkout and get 30% off. Say you have your comfy native language shorts on and you're like, you know, I just need a really cool spooky shirt to go with this. You can go check out our friends at DiscountCemetery.com. There you'll find things like Kubrick stuff, the burbs, and don't tell mom the babysitter's dead, which is a super cool shirt. Or you can just literally get a shirt that says cemetery on it. I did. Lindsay did. And it's wonderful. So check out our friends at Discount Cemetery on Instagram, Twitter, or Doc. Our show is a proud member of the Scavengers Network 
family of podcasting friends and podcasting podcasters. You can go to scavengersnetwork.com and check out some of the other great shows on the network. Or you can go to spookyspousescast.com, do some scrolling around, check out some of our cool merch on there that Lindsay designed. And then from there, you can also check out the Scavengers Network website. Sounds great. <laughs> and as always, we would like to thank each and every one of you for listening to our show, for supporting our show, and most importantly, for telling people about our show. Thank you, spooky buddies, and stay spooky. And now, here is an advertisement in audio form for a podcast that we enjoy. Hey, Eli, do you want to help me make an improvised fantasy adventure podcast? Hey, Ty, that sounds fun. Do we want to bring in all of our friends to play with us? Nope, just you. Okay, will I be on the whole time? Actually, no, you'll be on for three to six episodes, and then we'll bring on another guest. Okay, is one of us going to be the main character? Nope, you're all just going to be side characters in a larger story. Okay, but this podcast is going to be hard to find, right? Nope, just look up Side Character Quest on whatever podcast app you like, or just go to SideCharacterQuest.com. Okay, but you promise not to kill my character, right? No promises. Uh, oh no. <laughs> Okay, Matt, I don't want to do it, but we're going to do two questions in a row from another Katie. So this is a different Katie. Um, there <laughs> She's are, in Canada. This isn't, yeah. this isn't, this, I'm worried now because this Katie, she, she obviously did a good impression of an English person. <laughs> and I'm worried it isn't the same person again <laughs> trying it, to infiltrate and get more questions in. It very well could be. Um, we don't know because we've never seen the Katie who the, the the Katie from Utah or this Katie from Canada. We've never seen them in the same place at the exact same time. Okay. Mm. So, sorry in advance, but here is the next question from Katie. Hey, spooky spouses. Hey, Matt. This is Katie in Canada. I used to ride my bike everywhere, but then I had a kid, and I went to the suburbs and bought a car, and you know how it is. My little legs can't quite get me up those hills the way they used to. So I'd like to invite a spooky speedster to haunt my bike to help with those high-intensity climbs. But how do I convince a fast ghost to haunt my bicycle? Thanks for your help. Bye. Convincing wow. convincing a ghost seems difficult to do in and of itself, yeah. but specifically targeted at your bike or at your legs seems hard. That's a really, really good question. Uh, and it does r remind me, um, before I was actually a racing cyclist, one of the first, I used to collect, I kind of still do in a way, I've kind of, I'm really into art at the moment, but I used to collect comic books and still have a big collection of comic books. And one of the first comics that I bought, just because I liked the cover, was Ghost Rider number one. There we go. Um, from about 1975. And um, I'm just wondering, you know, the thing is, Ghost Rider is on a motorbike. It's not on a push bike. And I'm, I'm unaware of any haunted kind of cyclists, although there are a few kind of um, roads in the UK that are renowned as being haunted by cyclists that's another podcast entirely but um to convince a ghost to ride your bike i think it's it's a it's a it's a combination of conjuring and bribery and they, <laughs> they can they can and, and and that's quite tough that's quite that takes experience and it takes a degree of risk you need to be the type of person that is risk averse and again who can um and who can manipulate a ghost as well because ghosts in in my experience they're, they're keen on a deal they like to haggle, right. especially ones in the UK. Um, so it's just you need to offer up something that's going to benefit the ghost first and foremost. It's not; it can't be just about you, Katie, on the wanting to go fast 
okay, has to be, yeah, about you wanting to go fast, but what, what's in it for the ghost? Because if I was a ghost and you came to me, I'd be like, Katie, great, I can haunt your bike. And I think, you know, if we work together, we can go quicker. But what's the flip side? Yeah. What, what's in it for me? So you need to come to the table, uh, to the Ouija board, whether your kind of way of communicating with the ghost <laughs> is with a deal on the table and then take it from there. That's my, my advice. That'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the, the, the easiest thing to do was because most ghosts sort of are sort of like stuck in one location. So if you yeah. go, if you haunt my legs, I'll take you wherever you want to go. And you, you, you know, you, you can go on a trip. We can go see some mountains. We can go get a coffee somewhere. But that entitles a lot of training on your part, though, because you have to figure out how to free a ghost. That's I mean, this true. is a lot of research. It's a lot of research. Yeah. yeah. I would assume a lot of trial and error as well. Yeah, it's. Um, I think. I think that's a what I'd call a, a. A. It's a proper project there. But good luck with it, Katie, and um, and then keep us posted on your progress. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Matt. Here is another question from our friend Mason in Vermont. Hello, Matt. I hope you're having fun. My name is Mason from Vermont, and I have a question for you. Every sport has weird superstitions, but there are some individual athletes that have incredibly specific personal superstitions that are pretty out there. Do you have any cycling superstitions or rituals that you do? And what's the strangest superstition that you've heard of or seen from a fellow cyclist? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. It, it, that's a, thank you very much, Mason from Vermont. Um, good question. I've actually asked this question to in, in my GCN days when I was on, oh, yeah. on the Grand Tours. Um, and we made a video about it. It's actually, yeah, you'll be able to find it. Pro cyclist superstitions. But I can't remember any of the answers. <laughs> but because um, some people just looked at me and said, no. And that was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, but I do have a couple of my own. And they're not really superstition. But, well, I, I think there were habits because we're creatures. We are, whether you like it or not, there's a scale, isn't there, of you know, like where we are in terms of our habits. There's like kind of regular then there's like ocd and where habits actually define your everyday life and what you kind of what you do absolutely and in my old, and in my old job i've seen people with exceptionally serious ocd which as you know is no is no kind of laughing matter but but i think habits things that you get used to conditioned to do over time if you notice that you don't do one it almost becomes it becomes it becomes superstitious because it's it's as we know when you step back away from it it's completely and utterly irrational if you're you know if you're somebody who kind of is, is kind of rooted in the kind of, in kind of science and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, the, the brain works in funny ways and, and, habit, and habits that, that get formed, they're very difficult to break. Um, I remember speaking to psychologists many years ago when I was in the police about the, one of the best analogies to use when we're looking at habit forming and things that we don't want to, and habits we don't want to change that turn into superstitions as is a figure skater doing, a, doing a, like a figure of eight on, 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 some, on some nude ice, some kind of naked ice. And each time that this figure skater does this figure of eight the kind of grooves get deeper and 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 there's no way you can kind of change the ice and that's like the, the way that neural pathways are formed in the mind it's, it's it's amazing it's a really nice analogy i thought yeah but um so the one that i my superstition to cut a long story short is i will always put my right sock on first then my left sock and then my right cycling shoe and then my left cycling shoe and if if i'm in a bit of a rush and i notice that i put the left one on first I will remove it to get back into the order. Oh, yeah. And it's the same <laughs> clipping into the bike as well on my turbo trainer or when I'm riding. And on a turbo trainer, it can happen more. You can accidentally put, because the bike's static, you can actually put your left foot in first. And if I do that, I unclip it, then put my right in first because I don't feel comfortable. So there's yeah. definitely a thing. The only one I have that's hard and fast is 
and it's the same with shoes. So it, it extends to shoes and socks. So basically, always the right sock on first, then the left, then the right shoe, then the left. Otherwise, I feel a bit freaked out. It completely yeah. irrational, but that's 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 my only tradi- uh, superstition that I've I kind of had. Yeah, or I have still this, have actually. I have the same thing with mm-hmm. my socks. I it's not putting them on if I just don't particularly like those socks as much. <laughs> I don't have a good ride. Like it's not as good as if like. Oh, I really like the color of these socks. I think these are my favorite cycling socks. I will have a better ride. Yeah, I think I think that extend. I think there's a big thing about it. like there's nothing like a a fresh pair of socks that you just crack out of the packet. I mean, there's nothing like a pair of socks that you're that you're kind of fond of. But then the new kind of pair, whatever color they are, whatever design they are, just to put them on and feel them like hugging your ankle when you kind of lower calf muscle when your foot. And then just looking at them when you're riding, it's a special feeling. Yeah. So I, I get where you're coming from. It's like you feel cooler. So then you're like, I'm feeling yes. good. Yes. Feeling good on this ride. Like I, I, I have a similar thing where I will do right sock, left sock, but then I'll do bibs. So it's always socks first. It's kind of an interesting <laughs> look uh, if you take it frame by frame. Um, yeah, yeah. Some would say interesting. I think most say upsetting, but you know, whatever. Yeah. But I'll do right shoe, left shoe, but I always clip in left foot first. But I uh, remember like thinking as I was riding once, I was stopping, you know, I'd have a bathroom break. And I thought, why am I so obsessed with clipping left foot in first? I'll clip right in first. And I did it, but it was one of the clips where I clipped right in first that I was not not used to it that I tumbled over in the grass and I'm like see left foot yeah. first left foot first of yeah. course and now I will never not do that ever there we go it's a yeah it's uh yeah I don't know it, it just it's just about balance isn't it the way you kind of think things it's, it's a funny one isn't it it genuinely is a really that superstitions are kind of you can laugh about them but to to a lot of us they are actually quite important in the way we do things in life as irrational as they clearly are there's something that makes us do them and it's 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 basically habitual, and any, and anything that veers off that habitual, well trodden pathway, um, it's kind of primal, isn't it? That's where danger lies. So basically, we like to stick to things we we know they're kind of like there's a comfort in them as well. It's really really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. it is. It's very silly, but it is. Yeah, I, it's cool, isn't it? It is cool. <laughs> uh, all right, Matt. Your final question comes from our buddy Ty. Now, I will warn you that Ty, so Ty sent in three questions, and I chose this one because I liked it the best, selfishly, but he starts this one off probably in the most American way that you possibly could. So here we go. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Um, In the town I used to live in, uh, there was a group of people who would take old bike frames and weld them on top of each other, and then they would ride the bikes around town and sometimes these bikes would be three bike frames tall but otherwise the same length and width of a normal bike and they would have to get off of them by leaning the bikes against a tree and climbing down them like a ladder and i just kind of want to know what what your take is on that yeah um that's a, i've i've seen these bikes i've actually i think i've actually seen one kind of close up at a, a kind of bike show or something um but my my take on them is that they're they come a bit i don't know it's like why <laughs> <laughs> it's just really complicated but um it 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 seems to me it's like way too much risk 
And like, <laughs> what's the reward? Is that like, well, I'm up here now. Because when, when, <laughs> when I was living in Portland, it seemed like there was a month where everyone was like, hey, you got to check this out. You got to build one of these gigantic bikes. Now, don't let the fact that they're really cumbersome and really hard to ride sell you. Once I wait, wait till you try to get on and off one of these bad boys. It's it's the worst. You got to ride. Jesus, one. I mean, yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, that's a long way to fall. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's so far. I mean, you know, you could be staring. You know, it's game over. I mean, you could be staring <laughs> uh, death in the face. Um, yeah. And that's you know, when it's the first time we've we've used that word on this show. But I think it's relevant because that's a long <laughs> way to fall. Um, but I think they actually, I think in all seriousness, I think first it's why, but secondly. Why not? Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so, and they look bloody cool, and they are—they are a bit of an engineering marvel, really. That for somebody to actually be able to ride one, you've got to know what you're doing. You've got you, you because there's almost a kind of a Wright Brothers feel about them, isn't there? You know, the yeah. first biplanes, like you know, and they were like ridiculous contraptions that clearly weren't fit for purpose. But if you can get it right and everything's lined up, and then of course what you have to, to power them, you've got to get this super long chain as well, haven't you? That, um, and, a, and a series of and the gearing is all kind of awry as well because of the length of the chain and that and that sort of stuff. So I, I think as engineering feats of engineering, I think they're, they're really really cool. Um, but I, I put I wouldn't I and I do admire the bravery forward slash idiocy of the people that ride them. <laughs> yeah, I agree because you are having to make your own like specifically your own chain because you're not going to go into a bike shop. And ask for a chain. They'd be like, well, what size? Be like, well, like human, like average human size chain. I'm looking for like a, <laughs> I'm looking for like, like a 30 to 34 year old person size chain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of them, are, I mean, some of the bikes actually, they're kind of even, yeah, they're even tough. Like the ones with three or four high that somebody's ridden, they're like, it's like eight, nine feet of chain. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane. Um, chain. But yeah, I mean, you do see them at like circuses and stuff. And I think, People, you know, Glastonbury, the music festival, you see those sorts of things going on there. People on stilts and like these wacky bikes and stuff. But I think they're super cool. But um, they're definitely something for me to look at rather than actually participate in unless I was was paid a handsome sum <laughs> and, could, and, and uh, my safety could be guaranteed. Do you think there's any there, there's a possibility for maybe something sponsored by Sigma when you do one of your rides, one of your cafe rides? to do a tall bike cafe ride. And I think that it would either be probably, I would think like maybe Mitch Docker or even Taylor Finney or maybe Lachlan Morton would probably be one of the more, some of the more fitting riders to do a Sigma cafe ride, tall bike ride. Tall bike ride. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's, I've just, I've actually just written that down in my Wonder Woman moleskin. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. Watch this space. Oh, that's great. It, the one thing that really scares me is like if someone really tries to get ballsy on these tall bikes and gets clip-ins and like, and you oh. have to clip in. Like, it makes me yeah. so scared because I've, <laughs> I, I've broken my collarbone on a regular bike on a, on, so I could, uh, yeah. and I was not going fast. So I could imagine on a tall bike, you'd probably break 12 collarbones at once even though we only have yeah. two, but so that's a little bit, you know, figure that one out science, but yeah. Yeah. You'd, that's what I mean. It's like, let's be honest. It's like falling out of the first floor window of a house. And that's, <laughs> yeah. not, right. that's not, that's not good. That's what you're looking at. That's the kind of levels of danger. Um, so unless you had two sets of people or maybe four sets of people all carrying like one of those big bed sheets, like in films <laughs> when people jump out of burning buildings, one, one in front directly, one behind directly, one to the left, one to the right, four people, 
on each corner. So four, eight, 12. So 16 people with enormous bed sheets. Then we could start talking, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, to, to catch me. Should I, should I fall? Yeah. Wow. Or you could. So it's a big, it's a big logistical operation. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely. You could build is. like a trampoline around you mm. that maybe will like yeah. Yeah. So then you would yeah so like maybe. So you take up the whole road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you really you you really make people who are driving cars extremely mad. Yeah. But then I guess you kind of give them an actual reason to because you're driving like a 12 foot tall bike with a trampoline attached to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's there's also I mean once the this exercise gets that big, I mean, you'd start charging people to watch. So it's, it's like entertainment for passing motorists uh, and for a nominal fee, let's say $2. And they, they get like a, I don't know, maybe they get a drink with that or something. Let, let's talk about, I mean, it could even be, I don't know, it, it could, this is early days, but I think it's, it's fertile ground for development. Yeah. Wow. Also, you could sell your merchandise, your fear merchandise there. While riding yeah. it, you could mm-hmm. throw it out as you're riding. Yeah. yeah. Get with a t-shirt those, those launcher guns. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, as you see, I mean, we've already got. I mean, this is this is great stuff. It's, <laughs> it's um, yeah. This is this is just the beginning. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, Matt, thank you so much for helping us with your expertise and your progressive thinking and all of your scientific fact. Uh, mm. And thank you so much for being here with us. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been. Um, very very strange, but uh, <laughs> and um, I do admire the 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 imaginations of uh, of Ty, Mason, Katie, Katie, Dana, and Calvin. Thanks for getting in contact. Well, no, it's been a blast. It's been really really weird and lovely. And uh, thank you very much for having me. I think we're going to use that as a tag for our show: is weird and lovely. Yeah, there you go. That's really not All right, Matt. Um, if you now, if you ever have any issues around your neck of the woods with some ghosts or whatever else, feel free to give us a call and we'll help you out. Well, uh, now we've hooked up. I'll be uh, yeah every now and again. At least I know who to who to call to corner phrase. Sure, let's not say any more than that. Yep, but yeah, you're right. And now we're in touch. Any problems? I'll be winging them uh, your way. Thank great. you. All right. Thanks, Matt. Yes. Thank you. Cheers. Well, hey, isn't Matt Stevens just so great? Wasn't that so much fun? We think so. We know so. Yeah, yeah. So hey, take that, uh, haters. <laughs> I don't know if we have any haters that listen to the show. I hope not. I mean, if you're a hater of a show, I don't think you would listen unless you love to hate to listen. Then I'll say, so take that, pranksters. Because I'm sure we have some <laughs> pranksters Probably who a lot of pranksters. Well, we'd like to give a shout out to our pal, Jamie's Apothecary. They sell awesome stuff. We got an awesome candle that smells so delicious. You can check out more stuff. Um, <laughs> it at, does smell very delicious. Oh, it's so delicious. You can check out more stuff on jmeeks-apothecary.com. Palo Santo, there's a bunch of resin. There's really good smelling candle. Just check it out. Yeah, there's also a link in our show notes to J. Meek's Apothecary. And they sent us this this candle. And I got to say, now, this might be a little bit controversial. It's a very slow-burning candle, which kind of adds to the overall ambiance and the spookiness. Yeah, it has so many burning hours. It has, you know, it's total BH, burning hours. It's V, which means very. It's that just to the infinity symbol. Yeah. Like it's magic. It doesn't ever go away. I don't think it goes away ever, but it smells so good. It smells very good. So if you're looking to perhaps do some small business supporting this holiday season, along with the other businesses that we mentioned in Haunted Housekeeping, check out J. Meeks Dath Apothecary. J. Meeks Dath Apothecary. 
Jack. <laughs> I'm leaving them both Jay, in. Help, jmeeks-apothecary.com. It's a great website, and I'll drop down some candors. We'd also like to thank Eli Rexford Chambers for doing the music that you hear at the beginning, the middle, and the end. You can find little, beautiful, trumpet-thighed, flute-armed, baby boy Eli at Eli Who Does Music on what? Social media? Social media? Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> social media? Twitter. You can find him on Spencer Dram, on, on Spibbers, and probably on MySprabes. We'd also like to thank the Scavengers Network. There's a bunch of really fun, great podcasts on there, including ours. Hey, this Friday, a bunch of new mer- merch is dropping, and one of our shirts is going to be on there, and it's really, really cool. Check it out. It is. I'm going to add an effect to this part. Hey, get a load of this. This Friday, there's going to be so many cool new pieces of merchandise dropping, and one of them was designed by Lindsay. And it's the shirt for our show. It's cool. Check it out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's all right. (laughs) Uh, We would also like to thank each and every one of you for listening to the show, for supporting the show emotionally and spiritually. Maybe if when when you're listening to the show, you're sort of casting some sort of chakra alignings. I don't know why I like chakras a lot today, but you're like doing some chakra aligning spell. We are so, so thankful that each and every one of you are listening and hanging out with us every week because... I don't, whatever, I guess you like us, so that's nice. That's Uh, great. I guess you like the fact that we say uh, lickety split, or, you know, stuff like that. I don't think we've ever said that. Well, we hope that you have a very, I don't know, British Matt Stevens week. I hope this week you go on a Matt Stevens, is it rabbit hole, wormhole? You know what I'm talking about. You do a Matt Stevens YouTube, let's just say rabbit hole, you watch the video of him eating pizza off of Daniel Lloyd's back. I'm actually going to put that one in the, in, in the description below because it's so funny. And, you know, you just enjoy a lot of Matt Stevens stuff. And maybe while you do, you eat some jammy Dodgers, uh, which is a which is a <laughs> British snack. You eat some uh, just biscuits in general. And, and crisps. And maybe a sausage roll or something else that I heard of recently, Pizza Crunch, hmm. which I believe is a Scottish thing, and they just fry pizza. Huh, interesting. Interesting and very good sounding. I would eat that a lot. Well, we hope you have a spooky week and you enjoyed. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. I am recording. Okay. Um, I've got three screens open. I feel like I'm some some kind of tech wizard. Incredible scenes here. I know, isn't that nice? Right. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. Far away. Yep. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Ooh. Oh, shit. Yep. That's all right. Uh, that'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> within, within a split second, do we need to do that? That wasn't some sort of weird test, was it? No, No. I think it'll be fine. (laughs) The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.
PodCube, podcasts from the past delivered to the future. With PodCube's pseudo-linear 4D adiabatic qubit streaming technology, you can select any point in history and record it for personal gain. What was the group dynamic with Australopithecus? What brand of cigarettes did the Spanish Inquisition smoke? Was Leonardo da Vinci a pants guy? Or a shorts guy? You can discover with PodCube. Listen for yourself to the flagship PodCube podcast, Alabaster's Haberdashery, recorded on location in 1880. Simply search PodCube, all one word, in your podcast app or visit poweredbypodcube.com. PodCube, the future is yesterday. Hey, well...